This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we really have in common. I'm Condis Presley. Today, a little bit of a focus on entertainment and a little bit of focus on its impact on the economy here in the state of Georgia, particularly in Metro Atlanta. As you know, folks like to say, and indeed it does seem to be true, that Atlanta has genuinely become Hollywood South. Not a day goes by where we don't see notes of this film is shooting here, this red carpet is happening here. Films are big business in our state. And Friday night here in Atlanta, there was yet another red carpet premiere. The film is called Returned. The director and co-writer of the film is Lamont Gant. He is here in our studio and we wanna say hello Welcome. Congratulations on, you. on birthing this baby, as they say. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about the film Return. Give us a sort of story synopsis. We'll share some uh, clips from the film for, for our audience shortly. Okay. Uh, the, the film is about a, a young man who's losing his battle with cancer. Uh, he finds himself on a plane to New York to get uh, additional treatment, and his plane is abducted. It disappears. Twelve years later, he wakes up in the hospital, no memory of what happened to him. And uh, he sees someone he recognizes, and he kind of looks to them as uh, someone he can go to to figure out what, what, what happened to him. You know, they didn't know any, uh, any information about what happened. And um, the FBI is watching him, and then when he meets this mysterious beauty, the FBI is watching her, and craziness starts to happen. There's a little bit of attraction in there. So a little romance, a little thriller. Yeah, a little, a little action, things are a little crazy. But he realizes that the answers he's looking for are they may lie beyond this world. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So give us some of the, the deets, as we say, the details on the film, the shoot, the actors you have in it. Just paint a picture for us. Okay. Uh, this film took um, about a year to shoot. Uh, we, we shot mainly on the weekends, cover the actors, schedule everyone's work, and that sort of deal. Um, I wrote the film with uh, author Marla Mikowski and uh, uh, Victoria uh, Marie Brock. And um, what else can I tell you about it? It stars Blue Kimball, uh, Diane Kirby, uh, Teresa Sullivan, uh, uh, Aaron Harris, and uh, Lee Thomas Lee. And they're all local actors. Uh, Blue Kimball's been doing some things. Uh, Being Mary Jane, he was on there. Uh, the Strain, he's, he's... He's a working actor. Yeah, he's a working That's why actor. you had to work around his schedule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had to stop for a little while. For like two months actually shot another film <laughs> in between that but um but yeah uh and some of the actors i worked with before and um they've been on network tv that sort of thing so um so yeah tell me about your passion for film and the arts when what what were you first a filmmaker or a writer it's interesting because i i have a, an artistic background I, i'm one of them guys who, who knows how to do a lot of different things very well like I, I draw, I produce music. I've done that professionally here in Atlanta. Um, um, uh, I'm, I can do a lot of technical things. I do a lot of my own production, a lot of my own effects, that sort of thing. So uh, it allowed me to really make films well. Um, I found out kind of when I, I got introduced to the book industry, uh, started doing book trailers. The book trailers started getting a little expensive because I wanted to do more and more and more. Uh, and it kind of turned into a movie. So I did a movie just to see if I could do it. And um, What was that? The one you did it, just to see if you could do it? It was called Use of Temporary Happiness. Yes. And I did that film. Uh, I took it to a producer from New York. She came down to, to do a reality show. And, um, 
Emmeline Stewart, uh, showed it to her. She loved it. And before I knew it, it was in New York in the October Music and Film Festival. And uh, it did pretty well up there. The response was awesome. So had to jump back in the lab and do another film. And uh, that film was uh, No Time for Love. And No Time for Love made it to CBS, ABC, Fox. It showed all over the U.S. for like three months. Uh, once again, Emmeline Stewart. So big shout out to Emmeline for <laughs> showing that support to us. Do you find it's easier now to get in front of people like Ms. Stewart, make that pitch, and get a thumbs up? Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot easier because uh, everyone's looking for that next, you know, Tyler Perry or Will Packer. Everyone's looking for that, that something. But you want to be the first Lamont Gann. I mean, you are. I want to be the first Lamont Gann, absolutely. But, uh, but I am following in their footsteps to get where I need to be. What kind of influence have those gentlemen had on you? Um, Tyler had influence on me as far as writing is concerned because he writes a great story, beginning, middle, and end, uh, great story. So that's one of my focuses when I make my movies is the story and the characters and the development. Will Packer, his, his, uh, He's big his time, passion, yes. his, his hunger when he produces, he does such a great job at it. I got that from, from him. I'm, I'm, my drive is from just that Will Packer, how he just jumped in and just did it and made it happen, you know, showing his movie, going up the coast, that sort of thing. So, because they didn't have internet when he was doing this thing. So, uh, that was my, my drive a lot from Will Packer. Does technology make it easier to get your content, your stories out there, get it seen by people who may be able to help with distribution? Distribution is, for me, has been one of the most difficult things. Um, it's not easy to get distribution. Um, there's so many people involved in it and uh, so many middlemen sort of deal. So it's, it, you almost don't know what type of deal you're getting. Uh, you're, you're just getting it from the person in front of you, but you don't know what the, the real deal is. And, and that's, I haven't gotten to that point yet, but it's at my door. Uh, I have been getting uh, names and emails, so it's right there. So I'm preparing myself for it. So to be someone, Lamont, who has this great talent, you can write, you can shoot, you can edit, you can direct. Yes. And the writing is, is the first that comes to you, perhaps most naturally. Tell me about what you enjoy in directing. In directing? Yeah. I like when you say action and the scene's going. And as soon as you say cut, the whole room looks at you. That <laughs> yes, because they want to know if you want them to do it again. <laughs> well, it, well they're, I feel like they're, they're doing it for me. You know, they're, they're, they're putting in that work and then they're committing into it uh, in those characters for me. And uh, that's a good feeling. It's like a, uh, they, they trust me. Have you ever tried your hand at acting, getting on the other side of the camera? Absolutely not. Oh, no. That was a very I, definitive statement. No, no, no. I don't think I'm going to do that. You don't think you're going to do that? Why? Nah. Um, Tis better to give direction. Is that what you say? Create. Well, better to give direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, to be honest with you, I never tried it before. Okay. I really never tried it. Um, coming from uh, uh, music production, uh, I think singing is a lot like acting. And, uh, and producing a song, you know, you, you kind of try to inspire the artist to, to feel certain moods and stuff like that. So it translated real well. So I might be good at it. I just never tried it. So, Lamont, a lot of people around town will say, I'm a producer. Or I'm a music producer. You have been a music producer. You are a music producer, but I bet nine times out of ten, a majority of the population has absolutely no idea what a music producer does. Enlighten us. <laughs> a music producer uh, does a lot of things, actually, but in, in 
for me, uh, what I did was I produced the track. I had studio, keyboards, that sort of thing. So I produced the track, uh, found some talented people. That means putting all the elements together from all the music to the beats to the... Yeah, all the elements in the song. I play piano. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm a technical guy, so I I'm really into the modules and that sort of thing, the the drum machines, and um, I produced the music. Got like uh, talented people come over. We would write the songs together, and we rec- record it. And it's cool because being a producer and and having the knowledge of how to record sound and edit sound is what helped me make my movies, because I use that skill to make my audio great on my film. So. Uh, my fi- my audio is, is better than the average, I like to think. I always like to ask folks about their families and their parents and the encouragement growing up to, to pursue your dreams, to pursue your passion. Yeah. Is that your experience? Growing up? Yeah. Yeah, my mom was a uh, an artist. She was a painter. She used to paint in the dining room and, uh, you know, oil paints and that sort of thing. You know, don't touch my painting. You know, let it dry for like four days. You know, that sort of deal. But grew up in a very artistic family. So we would go see a movie and then come home and me and my brother would sit around the table and draw Godzilla or whatever the movie was and you know who had the best drawing and that sort of thing. But I've always been around movies but I never realized that I would do it. Never thought I would do it. Really? Never. It was always there but I just didn't listen. So what was the tipping point that that pushed you in the direction of yes I have these skills. I'm pretty good at it I think. I can do this. What was it? Uh, when I was doing the book trailers, and uh, it just kept growing and growing. And uh, it explain I, for our audience what a book trailer is. A book trailer is similar to a movie trailer, except it, it's not as expensive. Um, but I started out doing like images, sliding images, that sort of thing. And then I started to like glorified powerpoints. Yeah, exactly. And um, then I started to incorporate actors into that. And then I started. I stopped using the the. The, the videos from online started shooting it myself and um, it kind of evolved into into film but the book trailer at the end of the book trailer you show the book the author that sort of deal with some music to it that's pretty much a book trailer um, a few seconds long in most cases and now you're doing feature length films now I'm doing feature length films yeah it was a big undertaking I had a cast of uh, six women so uh, <laughs> so take us back to the table read when once you once, this, once you locked the script, you hired the actors, you got everybody together uh, to do the shooting on weekends. But, of course, you had to have a table read. Take us back to it and tell us what that was like. The table reads? The table reads were cool. Um, the interesting thing about the table reads, we're all there to figure out who these characters are. So you spend a lot of time trying to figure out how far can we go with these characters? Uh, who, who is this character? You know, how do they think? So the table reads are a lot like that. You're just defining who who your character is and they're a lot of fun too you know especially if you've done it with someone before so as the writer and you've you've imagined and you've created these characters and you've put them into these situations and you are telling this story yes actors always say and they always give credit to the writers because it is what's on the written page that brings the character to life absolutely my question is how much give and take is there between you and the actors in that creative process to give the actor more of the backstory to help them hone in on who this character is in your film returned? Uh, with this one, what we did was uh, uh, Victoria Marie brought I, I brought her into the project because she knows how to give characters layers. She 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 gives them just 
she makes them interesting, these characters. And um, we would take that, that, uh, that character list and we would give it to the actor and we would kind of go over what this character does, what his personality is like, what their, what their mannerisms are like. And some of that stuff, if they're uncomfortable with it, they'll let me know. You know, I don't, I don't like this. I don't, think this will, I don't think I could bring this part of this character to life. And then we'll make a decision then if, you know, how we can change that and tweak it a little bit. But, um, but we're flexible, Marlon, Mikowski, and myself, when it comes to uh, uh, introducing a character to an actor, we're pretty flexible with it. We don't just kind of, I think it'll change as, as we get more successful, but right now it's very flexible. So if they want to change something, we're, we're open to it. You know, we're there to make, a, make the character better, so we're open to it. So once you get everything captured on film and you go into the editing process, yeah. uh, walk us through your process for that. How did that work for you on this particular film? The editing process. Um, what I would usually do is uh, we would do a scene. I'd get all the, the footage together, go home, throw it in After Effects. I'll color it, edit it, f- frame it, uh, and then add sound to it uh, through Pro Tools, a, a program called Pro Tools. And, um, and it's a tedious process because no one ever comes and visits me when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there by myself all the time. I'm some, I, I sense you perhaps want to be there by yourself while you're doing it. It's, a very, it's tedious and you're concentrating. And, and you mean all these videos that you see people shooting you know, on their iPhones and their Samsungs and yeah. posting up on YouTube way amateur to the kind of stuff you're talking about right yeah yeah way amateur to the type of stuff i do but um but it's nice to have that additional input in the studio if you're there editing and you know it's nice to have it but but i do enjoy that process yeah just being in there by myself so now how long does that take i mean do you is it somewhere you where you close yourself off all day long for a week two weeks or is it a little bit at the time or i mean because ultimately i gotta imagine in your head you can see what the finished product and the project looks like. Yeah. It's just a matter of making sure that you've captured all those elements, correct? Yeah. My process is, especially working with actors that I, I, I may not be paying and you want to keep them involved and, and inspired in the whole thing, is once we shoot a scene for a particular weekend, I'll take that footage and I'll edit it during the week. And by the time we shoot again, that scene is done and I'll show it to the, the actors. And when they look at it, they're like, wow, okay, maybe I should tweak my character like this. Maybe I should try this. But it kept them engaged in the process by showing them what they did previously. I mean, it works great. I know directors who, uh, they would get actors to come on, they would shoot for a month and not show the actors anything. And then wonder why they start dropping off, you know, doing the project, because they haven't seen anything. They're not inspired. They don't know where the character's going. They gotta see it. So my thing is, edit during the week. When we get together again for the next shoot, I'll show them what they did previously, and then we'll move on to what we're shooting that day. And it works great. Do you have to go back and they ask, can I, can I redo that if you didn't get it in the take initially? Or has that scene already been set and you've really got to lock it, and the actor just has to build on that coaching and that feedback from the previous performance to move into the next scene? Sometimes that's the case. They have to build on it to move to the next scene. If, if it's something that I can do, it's feasible, I'll go and, and we'll reshoot. We have gone back and reshot scenes before. But um, but filmmaking is expensive, isn't it? It can be expensive. Yes, yes. Um, this one in particular was expensive because of the CGI, all of the the VFX involved in it. Um, now explain for everybody what CGI is. Some folks may not know. CGI is when uh, green screen, right? Green screen. For example, we did an airport scene, and um, I tried to get in Hartsfield, and uh, it was very expensive getting in Hartsfield. So. Uh, I tried for a few months to find airports, but um, it just didn't work out. 
for whatever reason. So we ended up doing the green screen effect. So I had the actors come in, set up some chairs, and they would interact on the green screen. And then later on, I would take out the green screen and put in my airport. And I'll put in the people, and I'll put in the chairs and all that. You, you, you mean the extras and everything? Yeah, I put all that in there. How do you do that? Uh, you can get footage of actors walking in, in green screen, that sort of thing, and you can put them wherever you want to put them. And um, it's, it's so do they get I, do they get IMDb credit for that if they're in that sort of footage and then it ends no, up in your finished film? No, not not that type of credit. No, but they still end up the individual who's in the green screen available footage though. They end up in your film. They can certainly put that on their role, right? It's stock footage, so it's kind of like those actors are paid oh, okay. pretty much. So it's like once they do it, it's like... It's done. It's done. Yeah. It's not like, you, what's your name? You get credit for it. Sort of deal. No. But, um, but yeah, we built, built an airport from scratch. And then you just made it magic. You did the magic in the computer. Yeah. Yeah. I would think computers and technology make filmmaking at a higher level a bit easier yeah, if you can use the tools effectively right uh, it's interesting because a lot of the effects that they use in film today they're available to Anybody? independent filmmakers yeah they're, they're available the same stuff after effects big companies use that to, to make their films I can do an effect that looks just like something in, in a Marvel film I mean really I can I can do that. give me an example uh, in this film here, oh, I can't do that. Oh, that, that, that's that, a spoiler no, that's, right no, no there. No spoilers, no spoilers. Yeah, that's a spoiler. But I use a lot of effects similar to what they use in, in Marvel films, in this film. And um, it, it turned out awesome. So we opened on October 9th. The film is returned. What do you want filmgoers to take away from the story you tell in this movie, Lamont? Uh, I want them to... I want folks to just be open to just imagination and the possibilities. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's a, it's, it's about this guy's journey to discover himself. So, um, it's just a lot of fun. You know, just come in and have a lot of fun, and then visually, hopefully, you'll come come away like, wow, I can't believe you guys did that uh, on, on on an independent level. And where are people going to be able to see it? Now we've missed. We we didn't get invited, so we missed the big premiere and the red carpet and everything. No on the 9th but uh thanks for coming by and so now if we want to really <laughs> fans listening now are looking to see a great independent film made by an awesome filmmaker here out of atlanta how, how do we get to see the movie you can go to uh creativegeniusfilms.com and click on the eventbrite icon and you can purchase tickets there uh it'll be at the 444 theater on um 444 highland avenue uh atlanta georgia 30312 and it's at 8 o'clock. All right. What are you working on next? What's the a little taste of the idea that's germinating in your brain? Uh, I know you got something working. I got something. Um, you got a lot of things working, don't you? Well, you know, being in this industry, I, I come across a lot of filmmakers, uh, specifically uh, female filmmakers. And I didn't realize how difficult it is for a female filmmaker to make a project. I mean, it, some of the stuff they deal with is just unbelievable. And it just kept coming at me. Every time I met a filmmaker in different cities, I know one from Texas, she was telling me about some of the stuff she dealt with. Um, editors not giving her her footage after they shoot it. You know, a nickel and diamond constantly. So something hit me and it's like, wow, I, I have to do a film about that. You know? So a film about that's coming. And I have another one, but I can't tell you what it is. You ain't going to tell me about that one? No, You're not going to tell me about that one? I can't tell you about that one. No, I'm surprised. But if, no, you come, no, no. if you come on premiere night, you'll see what it is, though. Okay. All right. The film is returned. 
the co-writer and director, Lamont Gant. Appreciate you. Congratulations. Good luck. Thank you. Tracy Ellis Ross Blackish has made uh, no secret and wasted no time in this second season of attacking and tackling, rather, really big issues from the N-word in episode one to guns last week and now getting yourself, taking care of yourself and, and making it a conversation piece. I would imagine you all want families to watch, to laugh, and then have these conversations at home. Yeah, and that seems to be what's happening, which I think is really wonderful. Um, and I think it's something that we do, in a, the writers do on our show in a really wonderful way, is sort of find that balance between um, real topics and comedy, you know, where we don't make fun of the topic, but we, we make fun of this family and their um, sort of, you know, flawed and limited, limited self. Um, and then we really do try not to answer all the questions or come from a judgmental place, but give people space um, to start that conversation for themselves. And I really have found that, you know, when people come up to me, most people say they watch the show with their families. With their kids, like it's it's the one show that is either set for the DVR so that they watch it after homework is done, or you know uh, the next night so they can watch it with their kids because it's on too late or whatever that is. And it really is a show that it's a family comedy, which I think is exciting and fun to have back on television. And a very successful family comedy. Did you guys know when you sat down at the first table read that the casting was so spot on between you, Anthony Anderson, and the four amazing actors who play your kids? Love them. Oh, my God. They are, are they not just the most precious individuals you've ever seen? I mean, Jack and Diane, um, Miles and Kayla are... Uh, I just, you could eat them, I swear. And at work, they're such wonderful kids. They're just constantly riding their bikes and doing silly, hilarious things all over the place. And then our ever-growing teenagers. I mean, seriously, Marcus is, like, growing like a weed. We came back second season, and I was like, you're a giant! Um, But I think from the first moment, we did know that there was something special going on. I I think the, the factor we had no idea about was where people are going to respond to the show, and that has been a wonderful and great, you know, a, a humbling and great surprise. Um, but, yeah, the chemistry between Anthony and I was there from the beginning, and then these kids, they just, they work wonderfully together. They, you would imagine or think that they're actually related. I mean, the, the two youngest ones, people actually think are real siblings and twins. They are that good, and Kayla is just phenomenal. She is just adorable. I mean, I, Jack and Diane are really my favorites on the show. They are just so adorable. They really are, and I have to say it's so cute because people say, you know, oh, Kayla, she's so funny. But you have to keep in mind that that kind of little attitude works amazingly and is set off by the way that Miles plays being clueless. It like it, The way those two work off of each other kills me. Sometimes I watch the two of them and Kayla looking like she's a 40-year-old woman. Like, you know, the way she rolls her eyes and does stuff like a 40-year-old woman next to the wide-eyed Jack or Miles is, it, it, it kills me. When I watch the show back, I die. And sometimes I'm in scenes of the two of them and I'm just like, oh my God, it's just like, it's killer. It's really adorable. They're fantastic. And how old are they actually? Because they're so young and their timing is they're just both, incredible. Uh, they're they're actually both 10. 
and and again, to take the writer's words, and you're right, she's just Kayla's just like this old soul. What else can you tease us about that Blackish is going to tackle this season? Because you've you've kind of come at us head on and are doing so well. Oh my goodness. Um, well, there's you know we have the benefit of the wonderful Ruby um, Jennifer Lewis, and we uh, get to see Ruby um, do a little dating <laughs> this season. So there's some fun, lighter episodes that are fantastic. Ruby does some dating, um, and that episode is called Old Digger. Um, no pun intended, pun intended. Uh, and then, let's see, oh, Charlie, you know, our wonderful Charlie in the office, played by Dion Cole? Yes. Uh, he comes to do a little babysitting. And uh, in that episode, we have the wonderful guest star of Amber Rose, which was really fun having her on set. She did a great job. And I'm trying to think, my goodness, we've been shooting. What else fun, what other fun stuff? We go, uh, we bring Zoe on a college visit. It's so funny because sometimes, you know, you, you talk about what the topics are and they don't sound so funny. Like if I had said, well, let's see, we're doing an episode on the N-word. We're doing an episode on gun control. We're doing an episode on um, bringing your dad to the hospital. None of these sound funny. <laughs> but the way our our show handles these topics, they do turn out. I, I don't know if it's the, the way the topic is handled or the fact that these characters are insane. <laughs> I think it's very much the fact that you really all funny. are just a, yeah, a very, very special cast on a really terrific show. Blackish, uh, Wednesday nights, 930 here in Atlanta on WSB TV Channel 2. Tracy Ellis Ross, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you so much. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, MyAndalusCondo29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.